I want to speak to you about is Thanksgiving not just being an event, but being a lifestyle. And when I was thinking about that, the, the one thing, uh, we just spent some time in prayer as, as your pastoral staff, and we were praying over this series and asking God to speak to us. And, and the phrase that he spoke into my heart when we were, when we were praying is this, that uh, gratitude is much more than attitude. And it grabbed me, and I immediately went, and I wrote that down, and I just began to meditate on that. And, and uh, <clears throat> that thought of missing Thanksgiving came to my mind. And, uh, and, and I found that the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture. Uh, I didn't find it, but in Luke 17, verse 11, uh, he lays this out in an interesting way. And it's a familiar passage of Scripture, uh, if you've been around the faith any, but I want to share with you a couple of thoughts on it today. And it says, uh, while Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. Now, that was two different worlds completely, night and day. And uh, he went right up the middle between two different worlds, ethnically, two different worlds, culturally, two different worlds, economically. And uh, as he was moving through the middle, there was one pattern of life to his right and one pattern of life to his left. And as he was moving through this, it says he entered into a village and there were ten men with leprosy or serious skin disease that met him. And they stood off at a distance because if you were a leper, you couldn't approach anybody. Matter of fact, you had to wear a bell around your neck so that they could hear you coming and people could get out of the way. And these men were standing off at a distance from Jesus. And uh, it says in verse 13, And they raised their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I'd like for you to circle that phrase, have mercy on us, or underline it or something on your Bible or highlight on your smart device. But what was their request? Their request was to have mercy. Verse 14 says, When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Now this is interesting to me, because you've got ten men that are yelling at the top of their lungs to have mercy on them. He doesn't ask them their name. He doesn't ask them where they're from. He didn't ask them anything. He didn't ask them, How long have you been a leper? But he says, Just go show yourself to the priest. End of story. He says no more. And the Bible says, and while they were going, they were healed. Now, let's just, well, let me come back to that. While they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell down face first. And he was at the feet of Jesus. And this man was thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Then where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? The foreigner. The Samaritan. And he said to him, get up and go your way. 
Your faith has made you whole. Now, I was thinking about this because life is about faith. And when you think about this, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. So immediately, they turn and begin to walk. And as they were walking, they were walking towards the priest now. You have to understand that as a leper in biblical times, you had no human interaction except with other lepers. They weren't even allowed in the temple, much less to speak to a priest. So Jesus tells them to go and find the priest. And they don't question him. They turn and they begin to go on their way. And as they're going on their way, they are healed. Now, what I want you to understand about this passage of Scripture that is so interesting, it says, and as while they were going, while they were going, so many people are waiting for God to answer before they move. But I want you to understand that's not faith. Faith is moving. Faith is trusting. Faith is relying. Faith is depending upon a holy God to move and to guide and to steer and to navigate you to the pathway that he wants you to walk down. These men were moving in that right direction. They were moving in that channel. They were moving in that flow. And what was happening here in a unique way is that while they were moving, they were believing. And my question to you today is that some of us find ourselves in a crisis of faith. And are, my question, are we, are we believing as we're moving? The last couple of weeks we've talked about this. Jesus said, you can do greater things when I am gone if you will believe. He says last week in that sermon, he said, if you would say to that mountain, mountain be moved and picked up and thrown into the sea and do not doubt it in your heart, but believe it, it would happen. You see, one of the greatest tragedies to sweep across this nation and across our churches that has paralyzed us and has eradicated the power of a holy God is the element of belief. The element of moving in faith. Faith that is not moving is not faith. Don't just sit there, have faith. Start moving, start trusting, start believing, start obeying. We always want a fleece. We always want a sign. We always want to help God out. And then we want to call it faith. There, there's a lot of stuff that I see that I really have to exercise pastoral restraint uh, that I see on social media in the name of Jesus because it just makes me want to go ballistic. And, 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 but but it, it, faith is not me... Saying what I need to you and then believing God. Faith is believing God to say to you what I need. Let me give you an example. We just finished pastoral appreciation last week. Matter of fact, from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful. I mean, I, I, you're such wonderful people. You blessed us in a tremendous way. But you know, if I stood up here today and I said, boy, you know what? I'm believing God that I need a new suit. I, I, I'm in trouble. I need a new suit. I'm pretty convinced that probably before the day is over, somebody in this building would probably say, you know what, that poor, I'm going to help that preacher. I'm going to help him get a new suit. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's ministerial manipulation. Faith is me going to God and saying, God, I need a new suit. I don't have the money for a new suit. Now, this is, I, I'm just giving you an example. Don't, 
I don't need a new suit. I don't, where would I wear it? The point I'm making is faith is going to God and saying, God, I need this. Not going to man and saying, man, I need this. And then go run into God and ask for God to answer it. And then when we moved on man and man moves on to come back, think God did it. God's not broke. He says, I will give you whatever you ask for in my name if you believe it in your heart and you don't doubt it. But the problem is to believe is to be moving. To believe is to be moving. Now, when you think about this, he moved in these guys' hearts and only one came back. As they were going, they were healed and one returned. Now, the thing I want you to understand about gratitude being more than an attitude it's a decision. Now, in our children's ministry, matter of fact, we're doing something different. This is the first, first time we've done it. In our Elevate Children's Ministry, we are paralleling uh, through this season the sermons that you're hearing here. They'll be uh, pairing them up in the back, and we're putting together material for you to be able to take that home, what your children are learning or your grandchildren are learning, and elevate, and couple that to have Bible studies during the week with them. And in children's ministry, we are teaching this in a different way. Matter of fact, it's probably the way that most of us have heard it. You have to have an attitude of gratitude. You ever heard that? You have to have an attitude of gratitude, which is right. You need to have your attitude to be that, that I have gratitude. But you know what God spoke to me? He said, son, I want you to understand that to, to live a grateful life, it's much more than attitude. Yes, we need to teach our children in kindergarten and first grade and second grade and through sixth grade that, yes, you need to have an attitude to be grateful. But I want you to know something. We're adults. It needs to be much more than an attitude. We don't need to go and say, let me get my attitude hat and put it on and be grateful for just a moment. No, 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 no. It needs to be a lifestyle. Matter of fact, if you look up that word gratitude, it means a state of being grateful. A state of living a life of gratefulness. It doesn't say it's an attitude. To live in a state of gratefulness. A state of gratefulness is totally different than just having an attitude of gratitude. Your attitude changes a whole lot. It changes with the wind. I wouldn't have to drive very far with you to watch your attitude change. I don't care how spiritual you are. There's somebody out there on the highway waiting to jerk the spirit right off of you. There's somebody at work that's will change your attitude in a drop of a hat. You ever heard that? Why do you have a bad attitude? Because it's an attitude. But to live a life in a place of state of being grateful is something completely different. What I want you to understand today, my brothers and sisters, is that obedience will always precede the blessing. It will go before it. It will precede the blessing. Before they were healed, they had to what? go before they were healed as they were going they had to be going it's a decision and today i want us to think about this because in this passage of scripture only one out of ten made it for thanksgiving now think about that 
One out of ten in this passage of Scripture made it in time for Thanksgiving. I would say the odds probably wouldn't be much better come Thanksgiving. One out of ten would probably be grateful. The rest of us is just another meal. It's some time off. It's got to put up with our family just so you can get to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. One out of ten makes it there and says, wow, I am just so great. Have you ever been around somebody that does not have an attitude of gratitude? But gratitude is a lifestyle. Have you? You probably don't hang out with them a whole lot because they're very convicting. They're just grateful. They're just grateful people. Some people call them optimistic. Something bad happens. They're looking for the good in it. I say it's much more than that. I know how carnal I am. Or how carnal I can be. It's a mindset. That God you are going before me. God you are sending me. God you are guiding me. And this Thanksgiving as we look at this. We have to understand that gratitude is a decision. You have to make a decision. That I am going to be grateful. I am going to live a life of gratefulness. I'm going to be in a state of gratefulness. It's a decision. It's a lifestyle. It's becoming grateful. And you know, the thing about that is gratitude is much more than action. If your gratitude is only seen in an action, then you're really not a grateful person. In other words, if people only know you're grateful by when you're doing something, when you're when you're doing something, then that's an attitude. If your gratitude is only seen in an action, then you make an attitude choice that I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to thank somebody. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to express my gratefulness. But when you live in a state of gratefulness, it's something completely different because it, it comes from you. It flows from you. Not just when you're writing a letter. Not just when you're sending an email. Not just when you're thanking somebody for a gift that's required of you. But it comes from you and it surrounds all those around you. It's a natural flow. It's not an attitude. It's a lifestyle. Notice that when Jesus already knew what they needed before they asked, he still met their request. Now, this is interesting to me. What was their request? Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Now, he could have answered this request in many different ways, couldn't he? Many different fashions. But he healed them. He healed them. He knew what they needed before they ever asked for it. And he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And to say, go and show yourself to the priest, means that they couldn't get to the priest. When they got to the temple, they had to run them back out of town. But Jesus was doing something in their life, and, and it was an action. They had to move. They had to go and, and be going. But I want you to know that it's more than that. It's, it's something that's deep-rooted because as they were going... They were healed, and when one man saw that he was healed, he turned around, and he ran back to Jesus. He didn't need prompting. He didn't need somebody to say, 
hey, we need to stop and go and give thanks. We need to stop and be grateful. It was much more than that. Notice what he was doing is that Jesus could have done many things to ease, have mercy on them, but he healed them. And when he healed them, it was much more than an action. It, was, it would, does not need prompting. Gratitude does not need somebody to nudge you and say, put on your grateful hat. No, that's attitude of gratitude. But a life that is living in a state of gratefulness doesn't need prompting. They make everyone around them feel the gratefulness. Somebody who has a mindset of gratefulness, a heart of gratefulness, they live in a state of gratefulness, you're just grateful to be in their presence. They make you feel better. Do you know somebody lives in a state of gratefulness? I do. I know several. Probably could put them on one hand. But just every time I'm around them, they're so grateful. They're so kind. They're so generous. They're so meek. They're so humble. They're so encouraging. They're so uh, just everything about them lifts you up. President JFK said, a rising tide will lift all boats. A person who lives in a state of gratefulness, they are that rising tide. They lift people's spirits all around them. This one man came back, but he didn't need prompting. And immediately upon his healing, he stopped at his tracks and he ran and he bowed down in a spirit of gentleness and a spirit of gratefulness. And he said, thank you Master, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. Not only does gratitude, is it more than an action, and it needs no prompting, but gratitude is always fulfilling for everyone involved. And that's what I was just speaking about. In verses 15, uh, 15 through 17, Jesus says, But the Samaritan came back, and in verse 17 he says, Were there not ten that were cleansed? Then why are there only nine? Did not any return to give glory to God except the foreigner? See, now here's why Jesus points this out. Because the rest of them were from Galilee. The rest of them understood, understood the Jewish concept of the law. Understood giving thanks. Yet all the ones who understood it didn't return. But the one who did not came back. The foreigner. There's something I've learned in the ministry that is almost, I don't think, it's almost like the law of gravity. You can't hardly defy it. Those who you think won't, will. And those who you think will, won't. In what category? Well, just pick one. Those of you think will come help, a lot of times will disappoint you and they won't come help. And then you're out there trying to do something and all of a sudden somebody shows up that you never would have thought in a million years. Shows up and says, here I am, send me. And we scratch your head. Comes for assignments, those of you think, you're making a list, who do you think will help with this? And all of a sudden some of those of you think will, won't, and then those of you think won't, will comes time to give 
comes time to be faithful in tithes and offerings and, and, and helping support the church. And man, those who you think are going to be faithful givers and at least give enough to cool them off in the summertime and warm them up in the wintertime, don't give. And then you see somebody that comes in don't have anything, you think those folks won't have anything to contribute to the climate control of their body. And all of a sudden, they're just giving everything. I'll never forget that there was this little lady. She was 90-something years old in the church that I pastored, and it never failed. I mean, you just really thought she was a pauper and didn't have anything. But if we ever led an initiative and we ever said we needed something special, she just seemed to be the, all, the first one to always show up with her $100 rolled up real tight at coming over there and saying, Here, pastor, this is a gift. Put it towards what you're talking about. And Jesus looks at this and says, Were there not nine? Where are they? Why did only the foreigner come back? See, gratefulness, gratitude fulfills everyone around them. Everyone around them. The Samaritan experienced the blessing beyond comprehension. Jesus was fulfilled in the one. God was glorified in the action that was more than a mental exercise. If you have to have an attitude of gratitude, then you only have a mental exercise. But if you have a mindset of gratitude, a life of gratitude, then I'm going to tell you it's more than a mental exercise, it's a lifestyle and all those around you are blessed. A life of gratitude will always reveal the attitude of everybody else around them. By that one person returning. By that one person returning, it revealed the other nine's lack of gratitude. By that one person coming back. Now what's interesting is that Jesus didn't say, When you're healed, come back and see me. And then go and see the priest. He didn't see, say after you go see the priest. Come back and give thanks. You see. Because if you have to tell somebody. To be grateful. Then they're really not grateful. They're kind of like the little boy that was being bad in church. And just wouldn't sit down. Wouldn't be quiet. And is. Mama took him outside and tore his little hiney up and brought him back inside. And he was sitting there and he looked up at her and he said, but I'm standing up on the inside. Yeah, you may force people to do something. But it's only in their mind and it's not in their heart. You see, what happened is as they were going, as they were going in faith to show themselves to the priest, all of a sudden they were healed. And this one man from Samaria said, I don't need to go to the priest. I am going back to the high priest. I am going back to Jesus. I am going back to the one who healed me. I am going back to the one who had mercy on me. I am going back to the one who had conversation with me. I am going back to the one who had time for me. Church didn't have time for me. Religion didn't have time for me. 
they banished me to the island of leprosy. But this man named Jesus, the great high priest, had time for me. And therefore, I will go back and honor him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my spirit. And I will bow down before him. Because my gratefulness is more than an attitude. Jesus didn't demand it. But it was expected. There's a lot of things in life that is required but never demanded. Required but never demanded. At work, if you're a boss or you're a supervisor or you're an employee, there's tests you give your employees that you never tell them they're given the test. You set them up to see how they will respond. Or not respond to certain situations. Jesus set these guys up and he knew he was going to heal them. But he wanted to see where their heart was. He wanted to see where their mindset was. And one out of ten came back and said, Wow, Jesus. You're so awesome. You're so phenomenal. You're so grateful. You, uh, you looked upon me when no one else would. You looked at my worst, the worst condition I had, and you loved me. And I want you to know today, I don't know what situations you may be staring down. But I want you to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and trust him to see you through it. Because obedience is going to always come right before the blessings. It's always going to come right before the blessings. You say, preacher, that's not true. I, I know people that aren't, that aren't obedient. I know people that don't even honor God, don't even worship God, and they're blessed. Are they? Are they blessed? I mean, what is blessing? What is a blessing? You know who was the blessed, who, was the most, who had the greatest blessing out of all these ten? The one that went back. The one that went back. He went back and fell down at the feet of Jesus and he had more than a healing. He encountered a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to encourage you this season to make a decision. To make a decision. To try to live in a state of gratefulness. This is hard. This is hard. This is difficult. This is difficult. It's difficult for me. 
because it comes from within. It's just who you are. It's different in being something you do instead of being who you are. We don't want it to be something we do. We want it to be who we are. Don't wait for the event. Don't wait for the event. Live it day by day, day in, day out. I really want to run ahead of myself and tell you how the Bible demands this. But we'll unpack that and look at it in the weeks to come. But right now, what I want you to understand is that he's looking at us today and he's just saying, are you living in a state of gratefulness? With your head bowed today, could you answer that question? Could you answer that question? Am I living in a state of gratefulness? I'm not saying you're not a grateful person. I'm not saying you don't do things that show your gratefulness. But are you living in a state of gratefulness? I know in my life I had to do a bunch of confessing. Because it's so easy to just have the appearance of being ungrateful. When I'm not an ungrateful person. But when my lifestyle speaks louder than my heart, then I need to adjust the actions. Today, maybe right where you are, you just need to pray a prayer like this. God, help me. Help me. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. And you can't be grateful if you don't understand the heart of gratefulness. The Bible says this of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy. For the gratitude. That was set before him. The state. The mind. He looked at the pain. He looked at the embarrassment. He looked at all that he was going to have to go through. And he said it is worth it. So I am grateful to be afflicted. I am grateful to be persecuted. I am grateful to be struck down. Because in you, Father, I will never be destroyed. If God be for you, who can be against you? Father, speak to our hearts. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.